welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Uh, what an honor it is to be able to work with uh, students. What an honor it is to be able to watch them grow up. I was thinking while I was sitting there that uh, I've been here for 11 years, so these kids, most of them were, I think, in third grade, am I right, when I came here. That, so to be able to see them grow up, what an, honor, what an honor. And for you parents, we're praying for you the next couple of weeks. I can't um, imagine the emotions and the things that you're going through, but we want you to know that we are with you and we support you and, and we love each of you. Um, when you see all these seniors that um, we have and, and there's other, obviously there's so many students in other grades coming up, and it's, the future is exciting, and when uh, we do youth ministry here, we do it as a team, and I, I have some amazing friends and youth leaders who give time and energy every week, hours of their time to invest in these kids to help partner with you as parents in discipleship. So if any of those leaders are here, would you just slip your hand up so that we can recognize you and just say thank you for, for what you do. It's amazing. And the future is exciting. I am really looking forward to uh, next school year. I think that we have some great things, new ideas and things we're going to do to help our middle schoolers continue to grow in their faith, high schoolers. And with that, I need help. Just going to be honest. So we have, always have turnover. We have those leaders that move on and change their roles. And, and we could really use some help. And so if you would like to be a part of investing in teenagers, and, and some of you, that might be pretty scary. And some of you... Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. And if that is something you'd like to talk about, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to talk with you about that. In the seat in front of you, there are cards, communication cards. You can write on there if you want to more info. Um, put that in the offering later on. That'd be great. The current needs that we have, and I have on the slide up there for next year, is 15 total new leaders, which just sounds like a lot, but I trust that God will provide. Five for guys for high school, five gals for high school. For middle school, two guys, three gals, five total. And I'm believing that God's going to just speak to some of you even this morning about coming and being a part of that team. So there's my commercial, little promo there. This morning, as we begin the message, I want to start with a confession. That's always fun, right? It's really difficult to admit, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it to you, just flat out. Sometimes I can be, we'll say, directionally challenged. It's not something that most guys I'm aware of are going to admit, but I'll stand up here and say that to you, that I hate to admit it, my wife will testify to it, because it seems to always happen when she's in the car with me, you know, get mixed up. So I want to publicly apologize to anyone if you've been ridden with me or traveled with me and, and uh, taken a wrong exit or a wrong street. I've lived in Bellingham for almost 11 years, and I still don't know the right way necessarily to get, the fastest way, or the right time of day to get to where I need to go sometimes. And I may have a few times, uh, yeah, I use Siri a lot, and I may have at times driven down wrong way, you know, on the one-way streets downtown. I won't, I won't think, I'm mean, I'm probably not alone in that. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. And then you trust me to uh, lead groups of teenagers all over the world to, to mission trips and stuff. Uh, and... A couple years ago, we went to England, Newcastle upon Tyne, England, and 
it was, many of the seniors we honored, that was their first mission trip that they got to go on. And while we were there, the church was gracious enough to host us and feed us. That was their gift to us for coming over that way, which saved us a lot of money, but also it was just really cool to be able to live in host families, with host families around town. I stayed at a house with 14 of our team members and a couple of leaders who are my friends, Jason and Sherry Christofferson. And as a team leader on a mission trip, there are tons of things on my mind, like constantly counting to make sure we have everybody, making sure the students are safe, that they're okay, that they're having the best experience. And focusing on directions is something really nice that I don't, I don't have to worry about if I don't have to. So Jason and Sherry were in the house that I was at, and our, we had a, a journey. We had about a mile walk to a bus stop, then we had to take a bus to downtown Newcastle, and then we had to walk uh, at least a half a mile, maybe a mile to get to the church. So it was every day, you know, going back and forth. And I just kind of went with the flow, and, and Jason and Sherry, they, they led. I just trusted them. I said, it's just so nice that you guys are doing this, until the moment where I was left back at the church by myself, and they, my whole house had left. And I need, realized I needed to get home. And there's no, you know, there, no, there's Wi-Fi, but it's limited. The self-service, it's not like I can just pull out Siri and talk, you know, talk to her. Um, so I found my way to the bus stop. I got to, the, I think it was the right bus stop. I got off, I stood there, and I'm like, I have no idea how to get to where my house is at. And so I wandered around the city for a while, I prayed. Eventually, I got, I got there safely, but it was just a proof to my uh, sense of just direction. And sometimes in life, too, it's difficult when things aren't clear, right? Life isn't clear. There's often uncertainty. There's often, we need to be reminded to go back to two things, the why and the who. The why is the big idea, the vision of it. The who is Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. A few weeks back, the pastoral staff at Hillcrest, we got together, we had a staff retreat, we spent, we do this a couple times a year to just do some short-term planning and, and dreaming and those things, and, and we talked about this, and this one of, actually one of our initiatives that we put forward is we want to do a better job of keeping the why before everybody. We may not always know the how, but the why is important. So I want to ask you a question before I get into the, the scripture part of it. What do you do, so ask yourself, what do I do in the face of uncertainty? When I don't know the answers, when I don't know the direction to go, when I'm not sure and clear about the how, how do you handle those situations? This morning, I want to talk to you out of the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And we're going to talk about how Joshua was the leader that God chose to lead the Israelites into the promised land that he had given them promised them hundreds of years before. He was a leader of leaders. Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. And a promise that God gave to Abraham that he gave through generations was that someday I have a land prepared for you. You're going to take your people. You're going to reside in this land, this promised land. And so Moses kept that promise before people while he was leading them out of slavery in Egypt. He also kept that before people as they wandered through the desert for 40 years. And we first learn of Joshua as a military commander fighting a people called the Amalekites shortly after Israel's exodus from Egypt. 
It's a story where the Israelites were in battle and they were victorious as long as Moses' arms were up in the air. But as soon as he put his arms down, they started to lose. So he actually had guys there propping up his arms so that they could be victorious. Joshua was Moses' assistant. He accompanied him at least, we know, some of the way up Mount Sinai. We know that he met with, that he was with Moses as he went into the tent of meeting to see God face to face. But more than just an assistant, he was chosen to be Moses' successor. He would lead the people into the promised land. Now, because of their grumbling, because of some poor leadership decisions, honestly, by Moses, they would have to wander through the desert for 40 years before they would be allowed to enter that land that they were promised. Moses was told, you're not going to be the one to do it. Joshua would. It took them 40 years to travel a distance of 240 miles, so six miles a year, and that's not because the journey was long or they were directionally challenged, as it was a much of, it was a death sentence for those who had refused to take that opportunity to enter the promised land not long after they left Egypt. So for 40 years, they wandered. So let's pick this up. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend to the deserts of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I have sworn to their ancestors to give them. It might seem odd that he starts this with a, with a death notice. By the way, Moses is dead, you know, in the first sentence of the book. But this is a big, signifies a big transition from the, in the history of Israel. The first five books of the Bible are called the books of Moses. And here we have Joshua, and he's coming in. It signifies a new day for this group of people. Moses was 120 when he passed away. And for Joshua, his first act of leadership would be to lead the people into the promised land. The Lord said to him, as I was with you, or with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I love that promise. He also said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. In this passage, three different times. Now, just because the Lord promised in the land and he promised he wouldn't leave, he didn't mean it was going to be easy. There would be steps of faith. There would be lack of clarity. It would require courage and a major step of faith. So in verse 7, he goes on too, and he says, Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn it from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua would need all the strength that God could give him. He would need God's word as his guide. And here's what Joshua did. He got up before the people, and he gave them these commands. He said, all right. Joshua ordered these officials of the people. said, go through the camp and tell the people, 
Get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the promised land your God is giving you for your own. So basically, pack your things, and three days, we're going. At this point, that's the only how that he knew. He knew the why. The why was, I promise you this land. I'm going to give you this land. How that was going to happen was not clear. Joshua knew the why because the Lord had promised. So at this point, they answer Joshua. They say, in verse 16, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The response was amazing. But I'm sure in the middle of that, there was doubt. I mean, all they had known for 40 years was wandering. All they had known was wandering. So Joshua knew that he would be the next leader. He was in training. So Moses was mentoring him. So imagine with me Tuesday mornings, Moses and Joshua get together for staff meeting. And they have a conversation every Tuesday. And he said, okay, Joshua, here is the plan. We're going to lay this out for you. We're going to spell it out. So we're out here wandering in the desert. There is this cloud that's out there. That cloud is from God. And so when you get up in the morning, the people should gather the manna and the bread that God provided on the ground, right, and eat. And then you should watch that cloud because if that cloud moves, you gotta, you got to have all your stuff ready. you got to pack up and you got to follow it. And you follow that cloud until it stops. And if it stops, then you get your stuff out, you, pack, you set up your tents, you get it all ready. And next day, same thing. Get up. Oh, the cloud moved. If the cloud moves, pack up your stuff, gather some food, and follow that cloud for 40 years. That was, they were, they were led in wandering. And I know that's, that's a, kind of a, a crazy way to, to think about it. But Joshua, that's your job. So let's get together next Tuesday and let's talk about it too, right? That's what he knew. And even though Joshua was a, was a, a warrior, a soldier, so many years before, that hadn't been for a long time. So here he knows wandering, and now God's asking him to do something crazy. Pack up your things, head into the promised land. And like I said, there were some doubters in the bunch, I'm sure. Some of them had questions. Questions like this. So as he's talking to leaders, he looks in the back, someone's raising their hand, me, 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 me. And they say, oh, yes, what do you say back there? Well, Joshua, when you say pack your things, what do you mean by that? How will we know what to pack? Okay, well, you guys know how to pack, right? You've been practicing that for a long time. So right now, all I know is to be strong and courageous. Obey God's word. He will be with us. Pack your things. In three days, we're going to go cross over the Jordan River into the land God has promised. Back here, someone else raises their hand. Joshua, so the Jordan River is a river, so it has water in it. How is that going to work? How are we going to cross over it? Good question. Well, right now, I don't know. But what I do know is this. We need to be strong and courageous. We need to obey God's word. He will be with us. You should pack your things. You should... 
be ready because in three days, we're going to cross over into that river and across the other side. One more person. Yes, back there. He's probably nervous. Why are they, what question is going to come this time? They say, well, Joshua, I've heard that there's giants in the land. They're probably going to be bigger than we are. So what are we going to do about those giants? Right now, I don't know. All I know is that we will be strong and courageous, that we obey God's word. He will be with us. Pack your things. In three days, we're going to cross over to the Jordan River. Big idea this morning I want to unpack is this. In the, in the face of uncertainty, be strong and courageous. Obey God's word. Because when the how isn't always clear, we should remember the who and the why. Why we did this. For me personally, it goes back to freshman year of high school when I was, I grew up in church from like 10 years old. I'm a freshman in high school. And that was when I first made the decision that I was going to follow Jesus for myself. It wasn't because I had grown up in church. It wasn't because my parents were Christians. It was because I finally realized what Jesus had done for me. It goes back to when I was 19 years old and I was working and going to school and I was volunteering in our youth ministry at church and I was you know, spending so many hours just serving people and doing, working with students. And I remember a moment clearly in a youth service where God spoke to me and I just sensed his presence, just sensed that he was saying that he was calling me to ministry. I'll never forget that moment. Or the moment a few years later when I was 22 and I took my first job as a youth pastor and I definitely didn't know all the hows, but I knew the why. The why was I wanted students to fall in love with Jesus like I had. When I got married at 23 years old to, to Connie, we definitely didn't have all the answers, but we knew we loved each other and we wanted to make a commitment before God for life and to help others fall in love with Jesus like we had. And even going back 11 years ago now, when we said yes to come into Hillcrest as youth pastors, I definitely didn't know what I was getting myself into, and I didn't know all the hows. What I did know is that God was calling and I needed to obey. And that was the same thing. The why was this? To help people fall in love with Jesus like I had. So helpful to look back on your life and look back on those moments when you made those decisions and remember, because sometimes it's easy, often it's easy to forget. We're experts in complicating things, and so much of life is about making decisions in the face of uncertainty. So I wanted you to think back on a few things. First one is this. When did you, if you have, assuming you have, when did you first decide to follow Jesus? For me, it was when I was a freshman in high school, high school but when was it for you? When did you make that choice? My next why is this. Why did you choose the career path that you did? Why did you choose the school you went to? Why did you choose the profession that you chose or are choosing today? Why did you do that? I didn't even ask this. Why, if you have chosen this, why did you choose to make Hillcrest Chapel your church home? Some of you have been here for 30 or more years. Some, this may be your first Sunday and you haven't made any decision like that. But why did you first choose that? What was it that caused you to make that choice? And speaking of our church, what about us? A few years ago, we wanted to simplify our vision statement, and it's on a lot of our stuff that we print, and we decided at the retreat I was telling you about a few weeks ago that we want to do a better job of keeping this simple 
vision before our congregation. And what it boiled down to was love God, grow people, care for the world. Now, believe me, we don't know all the hows. There are uncertainties. And when the hows are uncertain, we always have to go back to the why. Sometimes the hows work and sometimes they don't. Whatever happens, we need to go back to the why. Why did we do this in the first place? Love God, grow people, care for the world. Our future is uncertain. We haven't had a lead pastor in a while. So when are we supposed to do? Well, we know this. We go back to the why, love God, grow people, and care for the world. That's what we're going to be about. What happens when we do get that person? What happens when we do? Is there going to be changes? Is there going to be things that, that are different? Is it going to affect people that we care about? What's going to happen? What's it going to look like? And the answer is, we don't know, but we do know the why. Love God, grow people, and care for the world. So in the face of uncertainty, be strong and courageous. Obey God's word. And when the how isn't always clear, we should remember the who and the why. Lord, I am grateful for this church family, and I'm grateful that we can gather together week after week and that there is a bigger reason why we exist we're not just a club that comes and hangs out once a week together or twice a month together or less, but we're a group of people that want to go the same direction. We want to make to our church to matter. We want our lives to matter. And in this moment, Lord, I'd even ask that you would just begin to speak to us and just show us, even inside, the whys. Why did I choose you first? Why did I make that decision how did I end up where I'm at? Because, Lord, it's so easy to forget why we made those decisions and how we got where we're at today. This morning, maybe you are in a, a season of uncertainty, and I want you to remember this. Remember the who and remember the why. Ask yourself those questions. Why? Why did I make this decision in the first place? When I think back to that stage of my life, deciding to follow him for the first time, when I thought back to my call of ministry, I really, I mean, it helps me have more clarity because I go back to, even in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of, of uncertainty, it's comforting to go, okay, this is why I did this in the first place. So what has God called you to do? What is your mission for him on this planet, and are you doing it? You may be here today, though, and you haven't yet made that decision to follow Jesus with your life. And just so you know, that's okay. And, but that's a, a major why for us, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, that he took our sins upon him so that we could have an unbroken relationship with the God of the universe. And I think that's amazing, and that's a major why. That's the why we do what we do, to help other people fall in love with him. If you have questions, if you would like to pray or talk with someone about that, we have a prayer team or one of the staff or anybody here that you could come and talk to afterwards. We'd love to process that with you. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.